When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Welcome to the Sunday show. My name is Chris and I'm joined by Joe as usual. Joe, how's the weekend going for you? How are you? Are we talking non-sports related? How's the weekend going for me? Because if we're talking non-sports weekend, um, I'm doing well. Doing very, very well. Um, I you know, just got a lot of stuff done here at the house. Spend some time with the family, you know, catching up on that stuff because sometimes, you know, you kind of get too busy for that. But other than that, we're doing good. Um, a great NFL draft weekend. Um, so, yeah, everything's good on my side of the world over here, minus the exception of what took place in Manhattan, which we could kind of touch on here shortly. Yeah, I agree with you. It was uh, up and down, mostly down weekend for the uh, Texas Tech baseball team, but we'll get into that. Yeah, I mean, we have an exciting weekend. We still have the NFL. I mean, we have the NFL draft coming to a conclusion yesterday. We have some key games in a lot of professional sports. Uh, a lot of stuff going on in the sports world now. But uh, let's get into it. Let's get into the meat and potatoes of the show. We're going to start off as usual with baseball. So just a quick rundown of the uh, series and how they uh, ended up going this week in the Big Twelve. We had Oklahoma State. They had a, their first game on Friday postponed, so I think they only ended up playing two games, if I'm correct. They swept Michigan, West Virginia swept Baylor, Texas swept TCU, and then we had uh, K-State and uh, Oklahoma beating Texas Tech and Kansas 2-1. to one. So, obviously, you know, a busy weekend in the Big 12, and like we've been talking about, this Big 12 race for the top of the conference is huge. It's, it's tight up in the top. I'm just going to run over that quickly, and I'll get your thoughts on a few teams and series. But uh, right now, West Virginia, Oklahoma State, and Kansas State are all tied. Actually, no, technically, uh, West Virginia is at the top because they've only played uh, – they played three less games, so they're 11-4. and four. And then Oklahoma State and Kansas State are tied for second at 11-7. and seven. We have Texas 10-7 and seven at fourth, or I guess tied for third, but – or third. No, nah, it's fourth. Uh, Texas Tech 9-9, nine and nine, as well as Oklahoma, who's – as we said, some of these teams that were at the bottom can start making a rise, and Oklahoma definitely has. TCU kind of fell out. I think that they're kind of out of this thing. 
uh, at seven and ten, and then we have the bottom of the barrel with Kansas and Baylor, six and twelve, and six and fifteen for Baylor. So you know it's kind of starting to make a little sense. I mean, West Virginia seems to have it, you know, in the bag as we speak, but obviously they get to drop a couple series. I know we have an important one coming up against them, but uh, let's get started uh, talking about West Virginia. I guess we can that sweep against Baylor. Anything of note from you on that one? I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Nothing of note other than West Virginia doing what West Virginia needed to go out and do. They needed to go out and win some baseball games, games that they should have won, just like, you know, whenever Tech hosted Baylor this last weekend, you know, it was it was like a must-sweep kind of deal, just given the situation of how Baylor's been playing this year. It was one of those, those series that if you want to make some noise in the Big 12 as far as postseason goes, as far as regular season title goes, then you, these are the series you have to win. And West Virginia just went and played ball like they should, like they have been doing. Um, I think their current win streak is up to eight now, um, eight straight wins. So they're playing some of their better ball right now. And, you know, like I said, they just went out and did what they were supposed to do this weekend. That they did. You are correct. Eight game win streak for the Mountaineers. You know, I mean, some teams get hot at the right time and, they are assuredly doing that. And then uh, I guess just a few other series kind of get into the o- OU in Kansas is kind of a nothing burger, nothing really to say there. I mean, besides Oklahoma kind of putting themselves in the com- in the conversation, but they likely have to win a couple series here. Um, Texas and TCU, obviously those are two teams that are right there in the middle. TCU kind of dropped down. Texas kind of saw themselves go up. We could have had a little bit of a different story with TCU kind of being in a tie uh, with, or no, they could have been at eight wins and a little bit closer, but uh, anything from that series of interest to you, Texas, I mean, starting to look like they're coming back after maybe dropping a few uh, series here and there. Yeah, it looks like Texas is starting to write that ship. Um, I knew this was a big series going into the weekend for, for both of those teams. It wasn't just, you know, a, a, huge series for Texas. It wasn't just a huge series for TCU. I mean, both of them collectively to make a run because I know that whenever we first started this deal three weeks ago, there was about seven teams that were vying for this. And now we're starting to see a little bit of separation from the top of the top of the barrel to like the middle of the barrel teams here. And this was a big series for both teams, you know, had the, the shoe been flipped over TCU would be right back into the thick thick of things with the Big 12 title. And Texas would be kind of like one of those teams where we're talking about, well, maybe maybe this isn't the, their year. And we could kind of just not fully eliminate them like we did Kansas and Baylor, but be on the, on the fringe outside looking in with a whole, whole lot of work to be done on their end. And then a whole lot of things to happen in the Big 12 landscape. Um, for other games and other series like that, for them to be um, competing for the Big 12 um, regular season title there. 
Yeah, I mean, Texas always just seems to get back into it right when you don't want them to or when you least expect it. They're never really dead until they're dead, huh? But, uh, yeah, most, I mean, we pretty much covered the other series, so why not uh, talk about the one that's a little bit more heartbreaking? Obviously, the guys will talk about it a little bit more as well as us throughout the week, but we're just going to touch on it because it is pretty important, and it kind of just happened. So Texas Tech and Kansas State obviously had a series this weekend. Kansas State won the first one. Texas Tech tied it up on Saturday, and unfortunately, same issues as usual that kind of have been harped on it at this point. If you're still criticizing people for bringing up these issues, then you're just denying the truth. Texas Tech drops this series to Kansas State in a battle of two teams that could have been tied at 10 and 7 had Texas Tech actually. No, Texas Tech would have been. Yeah, no, could have been tied at 10 and. Seven. No, it would have been 10 and eight if uh, Texas Tech would have swept it. But they still would have been a lot closer. Sorry. Doing the math on the fly here. But uh, unfortunately, Texas Tech drops this one. I know it's going to be tough. But uh, anything you want to highlight from this one besides the obvious? Not to kick a, a band while he's down or, you know, sound like a broken record. Everybody who watched these games kind of knows where you know, my heart's at and probably where everybody else's heart is at is what we're going to do with this pitching moving forward. It's as inconsistent as it's ever been. And, you know, some questions need to be asked, like what's the next step moving forward? I know there's tons of baseball left to be played. Um, Big 12 tournament, potentially, you know, the NCAA tournament, you know, depending on how things go. But man, our pitching Jesus like I I just wish I knew just like everybody else I just wish I knew what could solve it and as a fan and as an ex-baseball player or at least somebody who's been in in baseball for a majority of my life I don't even know where I would start if I had the ultimate call to to make changes is it a coaching staff issue is it a is it a young player development issue, which I mean kind of falls in the line of the hand in hand with the coaching staff because these guys are paid really good money to, you know, get these guys prepared and ready? Is it because, you know, a bunch of different things? I mean, I could, is the moment too big for some of these guys or they're, none, nobody's been, been getting played enough to get themselves acclimated and have that confidence built? Because it seems like sometimes every time something goes bad, then they're getting the hook. Almost like in a sense how if you did something bad on the basketball team, you were out of the game and you weren't going back in for another quarter or two. But you just don't have that luxury on the baseball field to just get right back and go in there, you know, as far as the pitching is concerned. So, I mean, there's some answers that need to be answered. I mean, there's some questions that need to be answered as far as it goes to that our pitching and I just don't know exactly where the answer lies but it is something that you know people are starting rumblings are out there like do we need a change of coach like is this typically when when teams suffer the head guy is usually the guy gone and in this case I don't think they're going to go against Tadlock for many reasons but is it time that we start actually really considering uh, potentially hiring a different pitching coach for the Red Raiders going forward? Yeah, it's unfortunate when these kind of questions have to be brought into the air. But, 
you know, when you're a team like Texas Tech that has performed the way that you have the past few years and not even the past few years for a while now, kind of being at the top of the baseball world and making runs, you know, maybe not all the time and ending up in in Omaha, in Omaha, but, you know, being one of the premier teams in baseball, especially in the Big 12, it is unfortunate when these issues seem to linger and, you know, usually you want to say, oh, you know, the kids or, oh, the coaches. At the end of the day, it's from the top down. The coach is probably going to get canned. I don't I'm not I don't want to say who specifically is the pitching coach because I'm not entirely sure. But whoever it is, is kind of I mean, they're not it's not looking good for them. It really just isn't. And it's it's hard to talk about as somebody who, you know, openly roots for Texas Tech, especially the baseball team. You know, I mean, that's it's unfortunate. It's unfortunate to see these kind of results, see this kind of play. And it's not to take anything away from Kansas State, as we just said. They are right up there at the top of the conference. They're having a heck of a season. But, you know, of all the major programs that we have at Texas Tech right now, baseball is kind of that one. Obviously, football is getting there again. But baseball is that one where you just come into it knowing like or you should know that, hey, you know, this team's going to make a run for it. Guaranteed playoffs. Pretty much hosting a regional seems to be always an option, always a reality. And now it doesn't even look like, I mean, you might not even make the playoffs. It might not even be a reality to make the playoffs at times because, I mean, this, I don't know, this team is just very frustrating. But obviously not, not with not with that RPI where it's sitting at. I know it's on the upper side of the 50 side and that loss today probably didn't help. So I, I think moving forward given how bad tech has been on the road. If we do make it into a regional, it's not going to be a regional that we're hosting unless we go on some crazy win streak to end the year and make a lot of noise in the big 12 tournament. I'm not seeing it happening. And like I said, if, if we're having to play outside of Lubbock, I I think it's really tough, really hard for me to say confident that we would get out of that regional with a win. I agree with you. I mean, it's this team is abysmal on the road. We were talking about it before the show. Kansas had a, has a better away record than us, and it really is just unfortunate to see the way that the baseball team is playing right now. But it is what it is. We got to hope for wins in these next series, preferably sweeps. Obviously, I think we pretty much need to sweep the series going forward in order to kind of put our hat back in the you know ring with these guys at the top of the conference. But Nonetheless, we'll get off baseball right now. I'm sure the other guys are going to want to talk about it too. So uh, let's get into basketball. I mean, every week we seem to touch on something important happening in the Big 12. And my, oh my, did we have some breaking or not breaking, some big news for those unfortunate guys from Austin. Uh, Yeah. So as we talked about in weeks previous, Max Admis is the – superstar guard from Oral Roberts who was crystal ball to go there. And that doesn't always mean everything. Obviously we thought that Harrison Ingram was going to end up at Kansas. He did not, but unfortunately Texas got a really great guard and ad miss. And to top it off right after the show ended last week, they did pick up a recommitment from uh, Dylan Disu, who I think was just kind of testing if he was going to go uh, pro, but, uh, that guy, I mean, he put up 20-plus in the round of 32 game, a round of 16 game for Texas. He's super talented, big man. A little bit on the, like, power forward side slash stretch forward, but still a great player. And uh, so, I mean, adding Max, adding him back into the fold 
What are your thoughts on this? How do you think this kind of shakes up the Big 12? Because we obviously know that Kansas, I, I guess I'll throw that in there too, kind of talk about both of them. They t- they signed uh, Arterio Morris, who was a five-star recruit from Texas uh, that played at Texas. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, two two of the top dogs kind of getting premier players. Uh, what, are you, what are your thoughts on this one? It's kind of funny because me and you talked about this. I don't know if it was last weekend or the weekend before, you know, like how big of a deal would it be if, Texas or Kansas didn't land these caliber players. And then what happens They're, I mean, they essentially flip flop. Max Admus comes over from Oral Roberts. He's a Texas native. So I knew Texas, that crystal ball kind of, kind of held a little bit more water than the Harrison Ingram deal. And like I said, I mean, they just, they don't retool. They don't rebuild. They reload and they got a good one there in in max i mean he he wasn't highly sought out out of high school but he you know worked his tail off and got to the point where he was um averaging almost 23 points a game and then the year before that almost 25 points a game so i mean he's he's a bona fide star and he's good he gets to the rim he finishes at the rim has a good shot from beyond the arc has a great mid game also has the the court vision that you know everybody everybody loves and you know how Texas and Terry kind of run that program you know a run and gun kind of deal if they get out in space and they're they're moving and he has the ball in his hands look out because something something special is going to happen now the Arteria Morris deal to Kansas maybe isn't as big as it sounds I mean yes former five-star recruit out of high school Going to Kansas, he didn't really get a whole whole lot of. He got a whole lot of playing time at Texas, but he really didn't get his feet that that wet. I think his his points per game were fairly fairly low. Nothing like something that jumps off the page whenever you're looking at stats for the year. But you know, Kansas getting another one, um, one who has Big Twelve experience, one who knows kind of the lay of the land in the Big Twelve and then our conference as a whole. So I think you know that kind of helps helps Kansas reload again, you know, and that kind of just also makes me think of what's potentially going to happen with Jalen. I know he did visit Kansas as well. Then they signed Morris. So I don't know if that has anything to do with Kansas going one way or the other with their transfers or if they're still considering Jalen. So it'll actually be really cool to see moving forward what happens in the big 12, but a lot of teams have been making some noise as far as transfer kids and our conference is just getting stronger. So it's going to be fun to see, especially when basketball time gets closer. Yeah, obviously we're a ways away from the basketball season, but still this stuff is, I mean, pretty important. I mean, we got to think about this stuff now and think about how Texas Tech is kind of doing in the recruiting cycle. And, you know, it's been kind of quiet on that front as of late. I obviously know that we signed a few key guards and kind of like a stretch guard slash forward. So, we're, we're getting there, but we still do kind of need to be looking for a big man. There's still guys out on the table. We have the USC transfer who is considering tech, and hopefully that one comes to fruition. I know I know he's pretty, really talented, so just more guys to keep an eye on. But, yep, yeah. rich get rich. The, also, um, I think the, uh, gen, the kid from West Virginia, something Bell, is um, is been said that he's going to – give Tech a look. Sean Bell, I believe is his name. And then another former Red Raider who left the program 
and got his name kind of put back. He actually announces tomorrow, and that's Ethan Duncan. As far as if that's a preferred walk-on kind of situation or just, you know, a non-scholarship player, that's yet to be determined. But I know that he's he's um, making his decision tomorrow. Yeah, he was a guy that when they kind of signed him, it was – a little bit known that he, I mean, he was a walk on and that he probably wasn't going to, you know, have that much of an impact earlier on, but he's, I mean, he could shoot. He's a really good shooter and kind of the kind of guy that you wanted to see develop on the roster. Uh, I was surprised that he did leave. I felt like he was, I mean, you kind of look, and this is no offense at all to the schools that are recruiting him or to the kid himself, but it's pretty much one thing isn't like the other. When you look at the list of schools that are kind of named that he's, considering Texas Tech is obviously the best one on the list. So if he can return to Tech and kind of strengthen the bench a little bit and maybe get some key minutes. I mean, it is what it is. I, I would love to see him come back because, you know, just add more depth onto the team. But we also kind of need to start focusing on the big men and kind of signing bigger guys. But still, would love to see Ethan back. He's a hell of a kid and great shooter. So who knows what could happen there. But, uh, yeah, that's great pretty- shooter. And, and that guy's name from – I'm sorry to interrupt – um, that guy's name from West Virginia was Jimmy Bell. Oh, that Jimmy uh, Bell was being being um, tied to Tech. So we'll see what happens in, on that front. So maybe we have something next Sunday for you guys on you know other staff developments, other player developments, you know, and just keep you updated as 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 we know it, so to speak. Yeah, no, I mean Jimmy Bell, six ten, senior. So I think he might only have a year or two, unless if he still has that COVID year left. But uh, two hundred eighty five pounds. I mean. That is a big man if I've ever seen one. So especially in basketball, you don't see many players that big uh, unless they're doing really good in the NBA. A lot of those guys are a lot of those centers are still like a little bit more lean than that big. But, I mean, just looking at this guy and I remember this guy exactly. I mean, he is big. So that would I mean, that's pretty much what tech needs. And if we can pick that one up, that would be key. So hopefully we do have some noise on that one next week. But uh now we're going to kind of talk about, obviously, what everybody was watching this weekend. You know, we had the NFL draft, and we had quite a few Big 12 guys drafted. We're just going to kind of go over some of the guys that were drafted in the first round and talk about the other Texas Tech players that were kind of drafted as well, or not drafted. Uh, so the only one that was and the highest um, Big 12 player to go, Tyree Wilson. We all kind of knew that he was going in that, you know, top 10 range, and uh to see him fall down to seven, I'm going to just give what I got to say about it first. And I, I don't know if Joe shares the same uh, thoughts, but when I saw him fall to the Raiders of all teams, I was excited. I mean, him on the opposite side of Max Crosby, you got to think about it. Tyree Wilson, when he was at Texas Tech, he was essentially what Max Crosby was for Texas Tech. He is the guy who is going to take all of the, you know, all of the pressure and uh, actually, now that I think about it, I'm kind of misspeaking because they also do have Chandler Jones. But regardless, Tyree Wilson was essentially that guy on the edge that is going to get blocked, double teamed on every single play. That's what he was on Texas Tech. And now he's going to go to a team where he has veteran leadership now with Max Crosby and Chandler Jones. Those two guys, I mean, Chandler Jones is kind of, he's still he's still good, good enough. But uh, I think his better, better days are past him. And that seems like a situation where Tyree's just going to develop, maybe gain that starting role throughout the middle of the season. But I thought that that was a great situation because he's not really forced to 
go to a team. I mean, Arizona was kind of one of the popular ones. They obviously went with Will Anderson, who I think is a little bit more refined of a prospect right now, a little bit more NFL ready. But if he would have gone to one of those types of schools, you know, I mean, not schools, one of those uh, teams like the Texans, the Cardinals, I think that he would have been asked to do a lot more than he might be capable of now. And obviously we love Tyree, but he definitely is somebody who might be on a little bit more of the developmental side than NFL ready. So just to see him be able to get a chance behind a few guys who are already at the top of the league or have been for many years now. I love it. What about you? Um, I love it. Um, All right. Let me rephrase that. I I really like it. Um, I really wanted to see more of a fit. My, my gut was hoping once, you know, the, the, how the top of the draft happened there, I was kind of hoping he would fall to the lions and, you know, Matt pairing him up with Aiden Hutchinson would have been, you know, just not saying that Max Crosby isn't a beast in his own regard, but, you know, just to see two really young defensive end kind of guys who could really get, you know, some pressure on the quarterback and who could run like, like, you know, above, you know, elite kind of speed, because I know I remember him saying in one of the press conferences he did is if he would have ran the 40, he would have been somewhere sub four five. And that's crazy. If you know how big this man is to see him fly around like that with that kind of speed. So I kind of was hoping that he may fall there to the lions, um, but it didn't happen like that. So I do like the, the pair up the, you know, the Raiders are doing things what they need to do and getting Tyree there. He doesn't necessarily need to go in there and be the guy. Like you said, he has, you know, some vets in front of him that have been doing it for a while. So he's going to learn for some, some two really good guys, especially Chandler Jones. who has been in the league for quite some time. So I'm, I'm glad to see it. I'm glad he's not going to be put in there to be like, Hey, I need you to change this defense immediately. And, you know, who knows? He may because he's that kind of freak athlete. He could do stuff like that. But I like how he's going to be probably slow played into the system and 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 worked in and, you know, have his chance to be a really good pro. So I I really like the pick and I'm I'm glad to see it just losing the just losing the red and he's still a a Raider. So I like to see that. Can't agree with you more there. And I mean, now that just looking at it, him and Chandler Jones are basically <clears throat> the same size profile, 6'6", 260. Tyree, I think, is a little bit more in the 270 range, but two guys who are just incredible athletes at the edge position. And, you know, what a better guy to learn from than him and including Max Crosby, who may not have – Max Crosby is just literally grit. And they, I feel like those two guys both embody what Tyree Wilson is. Chandler Jones is a lot more athletic. And uh, Max Crosby is a lot more just that hardworking grit, never giving up. And we're going to see how great of an NFL career he has. I I mean, I can't wait to watch it. I, I, I don't really have any beef against the oh, the Las Vegas, almost said Oakland, Las Vegas Raiders. So, yeah, going to re- be rooting for him hard. Might even get myself a jersey because, you know, what a great guy from Texas Tech and good to see him go there. But we're just going to kind of skim over the uh, – Rest of the Big 12, get our thoughts on that as far as the first round of the draft and then talk about Sir Roderick Thompson as well, who got uh, signed. But uh, just to recap the Big 12 in the NFL draft, we saw Bijan Robinson, obviously the most talented running back, one of the most talented running back prospects ever, go to the Falcons. And then we saw Quinton Johnson go to the Chargers, Anton Harrison go to the Jacksonville Jaguars, and then to finish out the draft, Felix 
and Udike Uzama, pretty sure I said that right, went to Kansas City. So uh, any quick thoughts on those guys from you? I know, I mean, Bijan going to a run-heavy team, that's crazy good. And then the rest of the guys I feel like went into solid situations. But uh, what do you guys say about that? Yeah, it's kind of that that um, running back room in, excuse me, in um, Atlanta just is looking a little stout, you know, because you had Cordell Patterson back there. Um, Tyler Algier, I believe that's how you say his last, last name. And then now you're adding Bijan to it. So now you could start potentially having those three dudes on the field at the same time. And it's like, almost like pick your poison. Who do you want to try and be the focal point on who we're going to, you know, keep our eyes on. So that's, that's really interesting to see for me. Um, I didn't think they were going to go running back, but I think that's just best available. And that's what they did. Um, because I think Tyler Jeer's a really good running back, and he showed flashes of it during the season, and then he really came on late in the season last year for Atlanta. So that's going to be really cool to see. And Cordell Patterson, I mean, if you haven't seen Cordell Patterson play, you know, he's a he's a Swiss Army knife kind of guy. He could be in the backfield. He could be on the out wide. He could be in the slot. You know, he could just kind of go wherever is needed. So to see that offense with Bijan back there, it's going to be – going to be fun to see um as far as the other um, big 12 guys that went all the rest i believe were just o-linemen in that first round if i'm not mistaken and then that one defensive lineman from k-state so i think all solid pickups that that guy from k-state you know we got to see a lot of him that one game when tech played in kansas state this last year and then i saw a lot of them and he was making noise in the um the Big 12 championship game with TCU as well. So a um, bunch of good pickups, a lot of good later pickups out of the Big 12 as well. Um, so, yeah, good good to see the Big 12 out there in the first round making some noise in the NFL. Yeah, I agree with you. Those uh, two linemen at the end uh, were pretty good pickups. And then forgot the one, uh, Quentin Johnson, the wide receiver from TCU, actually went to the Chargers. I mean, he's basically a – that's right. Yeah, a mini, a mini, not mini. He's Mike Williams light. He's not as much of a jump ball guy as Mike Williams, but I mean, we saw in the uh, national semifinal game against Michigan, he took that pretty much an underneath screen pass and went untouched and looked faster than I ever thought he actually was going to the end zone. So when I saw that, I was like, uh, yeah, this guy is insane. You, I mean, he was really good all year for him. Him and Max Duggan had that connection, and it was fun to watch, albeit it was against Texas Tech as well. But uh. Yeah, we're going to touch on uh, Sir Roderick. He did sign as an... Oh, oh fun, one thing about that. Funny thing, you did say that about Max Duggan. He ultimately did go to the Chargers in the later, later rounds of the draft. So Matt Duggan and Quinn Johnson going to be teammates again in the NFL level now. Agre- I, that is true. And I'm pretty sure the Chargers drafted another TCU guy. They drafted like two, or three or four TCU guys yesterday. So they must... I, and I'm not even kidding. I think I saw this quote. I think it was a real one. They, uh, The Chargers head coach, uh, Stanley, pretty much said, uh, yeah, TCU is right up there with the Georgias and the Alabamas of the world. So I saw that, and I was like, hmm, don't know about that. But, hey, you know, I mean, they must love their TCU guys. One, one other thing on the Big 12 before we get into the other, um, the other guys as far as tech goes, how cool was it to see the – Chris Vaughn calling his son Deuce Vaughn to let him know that he was going to be drafted by the Dallas Cowboys. 
as both of us kind of being parents, uh, that's just something that kind of brought a tear to my eye. That was beautiful. That was something that, you know, you look at and you see and you always kind of hope that you have that kind of moment with your children, that moment where you, you can kind of just see their dreams come true. And just for him to be the, one of the reasons why his dreams came true, obviously he works at the Cowboys, uh, for the Cowboys. Um, it's incredible. It's incredible to see stories like that. I always, you know, love to see those behind the scenes stories for draft picks going on and just seeing what kind of reactions people have. I mean, you have Dan Campbell breaking stuff and just causing a big ruckus, but that's not really surprising. And then just to kind of see the kids reactions. I mean, to see Will Levis at the draft room, it was kind of unfortunate to see him, you know, not drafted in the first round, but then like right away in the second round and to see his reaction, the relief for those kids is just is beautiful. A fun thing to see. But uh, Sir Roderick Thompson was the other Red Raider that was kind of in the uh, draft world. He was somebody who I personally thought could be taken in the, uh, you know, late seventh uh, round. But unfortunately, he did not hear his name called. That is okay because he is signing with the New Orleans Saints. And then I'm kind of just scrolling down, checking who else got a signed and it seems like I forgot Trey Wolf was another guy undrafted free agent which kickers are usually not it's usually not the worst thing in the world if a kicker doesn't get drafted kickers have a little bit of a maybe not easier path but because there's only so many but still I mean Trey Wolf has a chance to kind of get there get into Tennessee I mean they've been kind of stuck with Randy Bullock for a while now pretty sure yeah Randy Bullock uh for a while now and uh we're going to kind of see what they uh, do with Trey Wolf. I mean, we did see Jonathan Garibay last year get a little stint with the Cowboys. He's still out there. I don't know if he picked, was picked up by a team yet or not, but uh, good to see Trey Wolf with the Titans and Muddy Waters signed with the New York Jets. So a couple of three Red Raiders other than Tyree Wilson find homes in the NFL. I think that uh, Sirodrick and Muddy, two, two really good guys, two guys who are – Always going to work their butts off, and I think they're going to have to come on as special teams guys who can maybe at some point in time see the field. But for right now, usually those UDFAs just trying to make it as special teams players. Uh, and then Trey Wolf obviously is a special teams player, so he's already got that part down, but trying to make it on as a kicker. So uh, good to see those guys drafted. Uh, any thoughts on those guys and their situations? Oh, that's great to see. You know, just the more and more as time passes along. You start seeing more Red Raiders kind of making noise. So it's actually really good to see, you know, Tyree's going to Tyree, you know, he's just a freak of nature, his athleticism, and then just kind of his tape kind of speaks for itself. But I believe that the Saints got themselves a great one. And Sir Roderick, I mean, we we all have seen the kind of work, work ethic he has here. We've kind of seen him mature and grow from, you know, I believe he was just a three-star recruit coming out of high school to, you know, being one of Tech's best, and he's one of those guys also who kind of embodies Texas Tech, so like a a, a, a Norrence Odiasi kind of embodiment of our university. So I'm I'm glad he got his shot, or he's getting his shot with the um, Saints. It's going to be a big thing. I think Trey Wolf, you know, is going to do great things with Tennessee, and you know, he kind of has more of a clearer path to making an NFL roster. You know that you know, given the other undrafted. Um, free agents of tech that went to the NFL. So I think he, he has all the makings and he has, you know, he has a good shot if a, a legitimate shot of making that roster for the Titans this year. And then 
Muddy Waters, I mean, his athleticism, his measurables are perfect for a NFL caliber cornerback. He just needs to fine tune, you know, all the mechanics and schemes and things like that. And he's going to be learning from one of the better ones and, and another young guy, Sauce Gardner. You know, he he is a great football player. So, you know, to be an understudy of a, a really good cornerback, um, I mean, it just bodes well for him, especially with our the all the athleticism he already has and what he's bringing to the table. So I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, um, so Roderick, I kind of just looked at the Saints because I forgot who they added. I know that Kamara is kind of looking at a – little earlier game earlier season suspension after the altercation at the pro bowl a few years ago but uh it looks like i mean, obviously remember they signed jamal williams so he i mean that's a one-two punch there but besides that i mean you know benjamin and Derek gore are the only other two running backs that they have on the roster so you know two guys that have kind of been around in the nfl all right players but i mean sarajic doesn't have a too hot too hard of an uphill battle because usually those crowded backfields are a little bit unfortunate but uh he has a chance, and I also just looked at the Tennessee Titans roster. Uh, Caleb Shudak is their only kicker that's kind of listed there. So, I mean, hey, that's a good opportunity for Trey Wolf. I think he's a new kicker too, so two new kickers on the roster will be a good battle, and Muddy Waters does have an opportunity to learn uh, from that defense. Pretty much that entire Jets defense is really good, so it's good to see him get signed to a team like that, and that's another thing about these UDFAs is, you know, they're most likely the guys that are going to get cut, but if you can learn something from one team and sign with another, that's always a beautiful part of the game where, you know, you get cut by one team, get signed to another team's practice squad, or even signed to that team's practice squad, make a living off of that. So good to see these guys get find homes. Uh, that's pretty much it. Unless Joe has anything else, uh, going to let us sign out right now. Uh, I just have one thing. Um, if, you know, just for our listeners and things like this, we, we don't give, um, not all of the programs, the same kind of amount of time that we do certain programs, you know, moving forward and stuff like that. But just want to give a big shout out to the women's basketball team and coach Gerlich and what she's been able to accomplish over the last three days, signing an ex McDonald's all American transfer from Colorado, signing a five-star um, transfer out of Florida in Jordan Merritt. And then just recently, um, first team all conference USA player and Jay Jackson out of UTEP, another transfer that are coming to Texas Tech and the women's basketball program. And, you know, get that program back to where, where it used to be. So just want to give give a shout out to Coach Gerlich and what and her staff and everybody who was involved in bringing these three these three um, powerhouses essentially to Lubbock to play basketball. So um, I forgot to say the other girl's name. Her name is Jada Wynn. She's a transfer from Colorado, the McDonald's All-American, 6'1 um, guard. So a, a huge get for the Lady Raiders and can't wait to see what they do in the fall moving forward. But just wanted to give, give my shout out to Coach Gerlich in the women's basketball program. Yes, I know you did mention that pre-show. I completely forgot to write that down in the notes, but I'm glad that you did touch on that. Obviously, got to give love to all the Red Raider programs, and it's good to see this team picking up those big-name recruits and starting to hopefully kind of make a name for themselves and possibly make the NCAA tournament. That's the ultimate goal, and I believe under Gerlich, this team has the best shot possible. So, uh, yeah, good to hear that from all the Red Raider programs, and 
With that being said, I guess we will sign out here uh, on the Sunday show. You'll obviously hear from both of us throughout the week. Got the Monday mailbag tomorrow, various shows throughout the week to get to know or get to hear about what we got to say about Texas Tech and what's going on with it. But uh, thanks for joining the Sunday show. Joe, anything to say to the fans out there before we head out? Uh, no, just other than it's it's great to be a Red Raider. I know things are kind of in their slower period right now, you know, as far as sports are going. So just, you know, stick it out with us. You know, maybe we'll hear some news on the basketball front, which we've mentioned more than a couple of times on this program. Maybe we kind of find out some answers or different changes that are coming to the baseball program moving forward as far as what we're going to do in these next upcoming series, um, this, that, and the other. But, yeah, it, I'm, I love doing this show with you, and I love, you know, giving putting our word out there for everybody to listen to. So, um, just hold tight with us all, and then we'll get you all the information as it's presented to us. So, thank you. Yeah, I couldn't have said it better myself. Obviously, going to get pretty slow here, but that's just kind of how the sports world goes throughout the middle of the summer, especially when you're talking about college. Obviously, summer, kids aren't in college, just kind of practice stuff going on. So, we'll give you whatever news we got going on there. But that's it from us. Uh, thank you for joining. Thank you for listening. Obviously, check out the rest of the shows that we do. And, uh, Have a great week. Joe and I will be here to talk to you next week about anything that's going on.